Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. You're a slacker. You stupid idiot! Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Oh, idiot! Game over, man! Hey, hey, careful Whoa. with that, Ronnie Millsap. We're downrange. What's the matter with you? I feel like a Kentucky Fried Idiot. Oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. They're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Gentlemen, Ciccolini here may talk like an idiot and look like an idiot, but don't let that fool you. He really is an idiot. I was going to spend the night assembling the boys you, but this is holding my interest. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. Remember back when we started this not-so-humble podcast, lo, these 26 episodes ago, and we spent a lot of hours recapping our favorite moments from Ron Moore's reimagining of Battlestar Galactica? Remember how it was almost six months ago to the day when we did our last episode of that talking about the second half of season three? Remember how we just kind of left that without any kind of reason? Remember how we, we broke all kinds of records for length of podcast and some would say rules of good taste by talking about those episodes for almost three hours? Well, we're back at it again, and we're probably going to lose all our listeners because this is episode 26, and we're going to be talking about Battlestar Galactica's first TV movie, Razor. My name is Todd, and with me as always is a man who once beat Dusty Rhodes in a rib-eating contest in Tuscaloosa. It's a long story. He can't talk about it legally. He is at the edge to my Christian. For the benefit of those with flash photography, I give you the man they call Tim. Hello, hello, brother. How we doing? You know, doing all right. I Week eight of t- lockdown, brother. Oh, my gosh. Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> Stop counting. Two full months of this. Dude, we haven't even gotten to the part where we talk about our beverages, and I almost reached for it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the, the problem with counting with, with this whole thing is uh, it's counting up. It's not like you're counting down towards something. It's not like, ooh, Christmas is going to be in two weeks, or, you know, ooh, parole is coming in one week. Yeah. Like, it's just counting up. Like, oh, hey, look, same crap, different day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good times. Yeah. Good times, my yeah. friend. Excellent. Well, thank you for bringing everything right down. I appreciate that. Uh, no, no guessing for for who the tag team was. I went the total lazy route because, as we were talking about before, this week was one hell of a month for me. So uh, I just <laughs> to quote the late Yogi Berra, <laughs> I, I totally just tapped on that one. And said, you know what? Here we go. I don't don't want any of our listeners to think I'm mailing this in, but I mailed that in. And there was a big old postage stamp on my butt for that. It was just, (laughs) nope. We were applying, instead of maximum effort, we were applying zero effort on this one. I'll have to send you some of the skirt steak and peppers I made tonight, my friend. Uh, You are just totally embracing, like, living in Chicago, aren't you? Oh, I love it. Just you, had the, you had the sausages too. It, oh, I had the brats. Uh, oh, of course. Had some portobello mushrooms going. Had some uh, peppers, onions, a little skirt steak, a little rub. It's fantastic. Oh my god! Seventy I've, degrees out. It's supposed to be fifty tomorrow. So you know, hey, I'm I'm just trying to embrace what I got. 
See now, I like I, I took down a, a pretty healthy dinner, but yet my mouth is watering right now <laughs> just listening to you talk about that. Like I could get it going again right now if you slid that slid some skirt steak and some peppers and onions in there front of me. There we go. There oh, we go. I'd find room. I'd find room. Absolutely. Fire, fired up the old fuego, threw the griddle on, and man, I was. Just Are you getting paid by them? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I'm just really starting to wonder now. There's some of these things that you go awful hard oh, for. Oh man. Good stuff. Are you are you you got a sponsorship deal on this that you ain't told me about? Because I'm going to be kind of pissed if you do. I, I I'll plead be perfectly the fifth. honest. With you. <laughs> We're going to have to talk about this off air. Oh, good lord! Anywho, I don't think we have too much important to talk about. We, the last couple episodes has been there's always been something happening that we have to address before we get to. Uh, the beverage section of the show, but mm. I think we're we're actually free of that this week. I, I think we might be safe in moving on. Can, but can you think of anything? Uh, no, other than the succulent dinner I just made tonight. Uh, oh, no, sh- shut up. <laughs> I'm going to have to stop the show and go raid the fridge, and I know there's nothing as good as that in there right now, so just stop it. I'm glad you're having uh, fun. It's it's well, good, man. It's good. Uh, I guess that leads us into the, into the first official segment of the evening. Uh, sir, uh, what you drinking? To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. All right. So what we have here, we're 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 going uh, we're going to the outer rim. Let's just <laughs> yes, say you are. Let's You're just blasting say. off for a galaxy far, far away. I've had my eye on this uh, last couple trips to the grocery store. Decided to pick it up, except uh, there was one little key data point I always seemed to miss when I picked it up, and that is the ABV on this uh, son of a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, tonight I'll be drinking the from New Holland. Well, sorry, not from New Holland. Uh, it's from Holland, Michigan. It is New Holland Brewing Dragon's Milk Bourbon Barrel Aged Stout, clocking in at 11.0 ABV. Oh boy! Well, oh boy. There's there's an excellent chance that that Timmy is going to be falling asleep by the end of this show. <laughs> Either that, or he's going to be making wild assertions about it, about. He's got some pretty wild theories about what we're talking about this evening. Adama shot the butler. <laughs> it's going to turn into Clue. I'm going to have to remind him repeatedly. Tim Curry wasn't in BSG. He wasn't honest. Neither version. I, I am so concerned about this. I, I've been telling Todd before we started recording, I, I, I went and got a snifter that I had in the cabinet out because I need to regulate on this one. <laughs> he also has a drool bib and a pair of Depends on, just in case. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh I, feel like I'm, I feel like I've got Ed McMahon here with me. Yes, sir. <laughs> Oh boy, this is going to be good. Well, so I couldn't, I couldn't allow this, uh, this aggression to stand, man. I, I had to answer the bell, as it were. So, I, I dug deep. I dug deep wait, into the wait, recesses wait. In, in, of, in, in the immortal words of Apollo Creed at the end of Rocky Three: "Ding, ding." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Go ahead, my friend. Sorry. Don't steal my gimmick. <laughs> and it's more like because he had the mouthpiece, more like. Ding, ding. <laughs> dong, dong. <laughs> exactly. See, you've only had one sip of that so far, and you've already lost complete control of your tongue. Oh, my gosh. This stuff is potent. Oh I've, got, I've got numb tongue. I've got numb tongue. Anyways, <laughs> we'll have to get Jimmy Dice's imp- impressions of the new Star Trek movies, because I have a feeling that it, it would be awesome. <laughs> 
We might just we might not even uh, talk at all. Just let him rant for an hour. It would be great. Yeah. Uh, so uh, again, I had to answer the bell. I, I dug deep into into my uh, to my stores, and I've been saving this one because mostly I'm kind of scared of it to be honest with you. Uh, this is Wild Turkey, rare breed, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, barrel proof. Oh. This uh, this clocks in at fifty eight point four percent alcohol volume that is 116.8 proof now for those of you who don't know sweet moses <laughs> when you buy your normal <clears throat> spirits uh, uh specifically if you buy bourbon you're gonna find you know most bourbons range you know 80 to like 90 95 and then you start getting into your reserves and all that fun stuff and then those tend to be higher proof well the reason for that is that when bourbon comes out of the barrel it's Somewhere between 115, 120, might even get up to 125, I think. I can't remember offhand. Jeez. And then they cut it with water to, to take down the, the alcohol content, but also to bring the taste down a little bit, to kind of mellow it out a little bit mm -hmm. for general consumption. Yep. The idea being that if you get barrel-proof, you're not getting it because you're like, oh, I want to get loaded, because uh, you can do that quite easily for a lot less money. But you, the, you're getting the full taste of that bourbon. This wow. is it, it is going right from the barrel. Is this into pure, basically pure? Well, it's not pure. It's not like it's pure alcohol. I mean, no, no, no. I don't mean pure alcohol, but I mean as pure as a bourbon can be. Uh, yes, because it's. I mean, it's literally coming right out of the barrel. Because it's right out of the barrel. Okay. Right into the right into the bottle. Um, so that is what I'm enjoying. I, however, I will tell you, I only. I, Are you drinking this out of a dropper? You can't even measure this in in the number in like a, this might be, might be like half a finger. <laughs> <laughs> that I've got in here, and then I actually have uh, I have Buffalo Trace uh, as my secondary because I'm probably only going only going to have a couple sips mm -hmm. of the rare breed, and then the rest of the evening I'll be I'll be sipping on a much more tame. So Buffalo Trace uh, again. This is Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Another another fine choice. That is uh, that is ninety proof. So that is okay. Uh, a much smoother ride, shall we say. I mean, with this wild turkey, you know, from the barrel bourbon, like when you pop the cap off this thing, was like smoke pouring out of it? No, but oh my gosh. the, the Oh, the smell. The, the smell. smell? Oh, yeah, I bet. Okay, here's here's the first sip. So I wanted to, I wanted to make this special, so salute. Salute. Oh, sweet mama, that's good. <laughs> I didn't know if you are going to go Professor Frank on us, be like, bye. Oh, no, <laughs> no, that is... That is incredibly smooth for something with that with that like potency. Oh boy, that is amazing. That is that is like dangerously smooth. I am I am definitely only having a couple sips of this, folks. Step away from the glass. Then <laughs> Tim would be finishing this show by himself. I'd just be on the floor. <laughs> just be on the floor. Like, Hi. I didn't press stop on the recording. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is delightful. There you go. Nice. That is amazing. Okay, nice. I, I could literally sit here and just and just sip this for the rest of the hour and be quite happy. All right. So uh, as I mentioned, uh, thank you. Uh, well, no, we we got stuff to do before we do that stuff. So thank you all for uh, for tuning in, for downloading, for subscribing. We do appreciate it, uh, even though this is a bit of a vanity project. Uh, for us to just see how many places we can see our names on the internet. That's really what we love to do. We are very simple human beings. Todd records, and then he posts, and then he sits there, and he hits refresh on Twitter constantly. <laughs> yes, pretty much. And Instagram. 
and that's that's the sad truth of my life. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for sharing that, Tim. I really thought we were going to keep that to ourselves. Ah, oh, crud. Oh, see, yeah. look, look, I blame the dragon's milk. <laughs> yeah. See, that's that's supposed to be the inner monologue as opposed to the outer monologue. Don't. Uh, but th- but thank you for sharing. We do appreciate everybody listening in and and sharing these embarrassing, uh, very uh, heartrending moments with us. And uh, if you'd like to subscribe, if you're not a subscriber, dear Lord, please, what is wrong with you? Get some help. Actually, no, if you're a subscriber, you probably should seek help. If you're not a subscriber, come on in. I mean, you know, what do you got to lose except Pull up a stool, have a seat. So you can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes. You can go to Podbean. If you go to freerangeidiocy.com, that'll take you right to our Podbean page. You can see all the episodes there. We are on YouTube as well. We post our full episodes there, so you can find us on the YouTubes. Just search Free Range Idiocy. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Free Range Idiocy. And I think... Oh, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. And... We also take questions and suggestions and mm-hmm. thoughts and comments from the listening audience. That's right. These do not go to me because, quite honestly, I don't care. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I very much care. Well, as, as we've said, you, you are in many ways the executive producer here. You, 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 you put the recordings together. You, you upload them. You post them. You, you manage a lot, my friend. So this is my way of, of pitching in in some small way. Oh, I'm sorry. Were you saying something? I was just sitting here smelling my whiskey. Yeah, I figured as much. <laughs> I, I don't even want to drink it. I'd I, I make a candle out of that. It's oh delightful. Oh, my gosh. So if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions of stuff you'd like for us to talk about, any questions, anything we've talked about, you want to send your email to Tim, T-I-M, at freerangeidiocy.com. Mm-hmm. And Tim will... Kind of, he might get back to you. I don't know. He might have all those going to junk mail for all I know. I don't know. I just I told him I was sending him the emails, and he went, okay. Yeah. And that's pretty much how it's worked. We'll take him. So now we've got business taken care of. Now we get to the business at hand, mm. which is Battlestar Galactica Razor. Now, this was the first of two movies that they did in the, in the Ron Moore Battlestar universe. Uh, and it actually it worked out pretty well because it it was kind of funny to me that I realized it will be just about six months to the day uh, when we post this episode from the last episode that we recorded talking about Battlestar Galactica, the, the second half of season three. Really? Yeah. It's, wow. I mean, and yeah, it's been a while, been a little while. I think those three-hour episodes just kind of did things to us that we were like, we can't, we can't do it anymore. We can't. Yeah, um, we, we kind of said we need to take a breather, um, <laughs> and, and a breather it was. <laughs> yes, that is one way to describe a six-month layoff. Um, oh, however, the good part about that is it gave us time to realize that, hey, we should talk about this because Razor actually was kind of the – it was proposed to Ron Moore from Sci-Fi as – is basically an ex- additional two episodes for season four. That would be kind of the episode zero and zero A, I mm-hmm. guess you could say, mm-hmm. of season four. So this preceded season four, and it actually enhances the backstory, fills out a lot of that Pegasus backstory, also adds a lot to, to Adama's backstory and all that. Everything that we'd kind of seen already, and also really does springboard us into season four. So it is nice that we get to talk about this. Um, for those of you wondering, the, the second Battlestar Galactica movie is called The Plan and takes place after Season 4 finished, but we'll talk about that 
after we talk about season four, mm-hmm. go figure. So the this is a it's kind of an interesting deal because originally they actually uh, when they when they put this out they had screenings in theaters which I was not aware of at the time. Yeah, I, I read that when I was when I was uh, looking at Wikipedia and just kind of getting a sense of the history behind it, just the context of it. Um, I was surprised to see that too. I didn't realize that they that they screened this in theaters and that it just had. Like I knew the show was popular, but I just didn't realize it, it had that level of popularity where they could do something like that. Yeah, of course. Now they they were free screenings. Did you know that? Because they could not have an actual theatrical release. Huh. For this movie, they probably could have. They pr- if they could have, they probably would have made some money off of it. Yeah. However, Glenn Larson, who is the original, he's did the original Battlestar Galactica, and they actually gave him a an executive producer credit, and they paid him. Man like got he paid. Got, he got paid off of this off this reimagining. He never had anything to do with it. Nothing. Nothing to do with it. But he owns the movie rights. The the, the theatrical rights. I guess the, the Universal owned the television rights, but somehow the any kind of movie rights would have stayed with Larson. So they could huh. not release it in theaters. Yeah. Which is always one of those things that kind of makes me just it's one of those little bits of trivia that I always like to dig up because I'm like, "Ooh, that's kind of interesting." And in the end, I think it worked because I don't know if I don't know how satisfying this movie would have really been in a theater. Mm. But maybe that's just me watching it now how many years later? 13 years later. That that could or it could just be the whiskey talking. I'm not sure. I think that's going to come into question quite a bit tonight. Well, here this is the last sip of the of the rare breed right now because otherwise, <laughs> this, things are going to go poorly. He so. gone. Oh, so good. <laughs> good lord. Oh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to hide that from myself. Yeah, I think so. Sounds dangerous over there. Yummy. Anyways. So how do we want to get into this? Because this is a real interesting deal because we get a lot of we get a lot of the characters, of course, that we know mm-hmm. and love. We we've already been introduced to Kane and Fisk and 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 uh, and Hoshi actually gets a little bit of a gets a few lines in here. Hoshi, um, the future admiral of the uh, for a very, very brief period. <laughs> well, I, I often wondered where he came from. I mean, it's just like all of a sudden, hey, Hoshi, go do this. It's like, oh, yeah. And. There's Hoshi, you know. Well, no, it was it was like, hey, Hoshi, by the way, you're in charge. Mm-hmm. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> Who is this guy? Well, I un- unlike, well, I don't want to say unlike you because I, I know you're trying to work your way through it, but I've I've seen the first 10 of, of season four, and, and, and that's where I'm coming from is like Hoshi just all of a sudden just appears. You know what I mean? Like he just becomes a thing, and then later on, like you said, he becomes something more. But this this kind of gave you a background of where exactly he came from because it was just yeah. almost like this character that had been in the background all this time, and it's like, oh, we're gonna start talking to Hoshi. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, like, <laughs> where where did this where did this come from? I oh. think I honestly think part of the reason why his character got bigger is because just the way that Edward James almost would say his name. Yeah, it was just it was just it added this gravitas to what is kind of it seems like this name that that's totally made up, but he was yeah. like. Hoshi, and it's like just the way he said it. I don't oh, know yeah. what it was, but it was always very satisfying. Like, yeah. oh, stuff's getting serious now. Uh-huh. Um, so you have a bunch of these characters that we already know, and and of course you're going to. But then we of course get uh, Major Kendrick Shaw, who is uh, played by Stephanie Jacobson, 
And this is a brand new character. We've never seen her, never heard about her. And they did such a great job in this in this movie of really fleshing out this character in mm-hmm. very short time and giving her an arc and, and really getting you involved in the character so that coming to the end of it, even though you kind of know, like, well, we haven't ever seen her in the fleet since then, so something something has happened, you know? Yeah. And and I'm pretty sure it wasn't uh, what happened with Bulldog, where he just kind of goes off and instead of like Kane and Kung Fu and walking the earth, he goes out and just rides on the fleet somewhere and, and probably was on one of those ships that gets blown up in one of the attacks or something. Right. right. But you're pretty sure that, that things don't end well for Kendra, you know? Yeah. But you get you get this you get this great story arc with her, which I again is it reminded me of like, oh my gosh, this show really is freaking brilliant. Like the people who wrote this and, and directed this is amazing yeah it, it just kind of reminded me of that yeah in a, in a real abrupt way you know yep yeah and and uh, you know the the other thing that i appreciated that they that bsg would do you know as you mentioned the plan and then this this uh this episode razor is do these pauses where they where they kind of flip the script and you you get a view of I mean, yes, it's filling in what events happened, but but you're getting an alternative perspective on how things could have gone. In some ways, it's it's very much a study of what what could have happened with Galactica, yeah. had Adama not had certain things in in his in in his uh, scope of 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 existence of what he was doing. You know, like yeah, he he very much, and 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 we'll get into it when we talk about what our top moments are. But there are things that happen that do in, in, in a lot of ways play like a mirror to elements or, or events that happened in, in BSG uh, on Galactica. And, mm-hmm. and it was just interesting to kind of see the way that they did that to, to really show that in, in this, you know, sort of this, this apocalyptic event that happened to this, to this culture and, and to this society that you would have some of these commonalities happen where they regroup and and you know kind of come up with what what their directive is moving forward and it was just very interesting to kind of see them play it that way and 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 also have kind of a you know kind of have Admiral Dama and Leah Dama have this conversation at the end of the episode that kind of sums up in some ways you know where you know where things could have potentially gone wrong for them as well you know like yeah. like like having some sense of empathy for for as nasty a character as Kane was, you get a sense of why she got there. We'll get into that in, a, in, in just a minute here, but but yeah. So it's 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 just and and you know the plan is a very similar thing. You you get a view of the events that we you know that we experience through the eyes of the Galactica crew, except this time we view it through the eyes of the Cylons. And so yeah, you know it's 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 a neat storytelling device that just helps to further deepen just the universe that Ronald Moore created and expanded upon, uh, you know, in, in, in this series. Yeah. And I think it doesn't, it, it's also a great way to bring that back and to remind people like Adama was perfectly willing to go out and fight and die in the mini series and, and very early on. And it was a very different character, very yeah. different person than he was by the time you're heading into season four. Mm-hmm. And even though you kind of get glimpses of that it's easy to forget just where he started from in this and to, and to to juxtapose him with Kane and to like you say at the end of the episode have that conversation and to really lay it out like that could have been me mm-hmm. 
I think is a great way to do it. It, it for whatever reason, and I'll I'll keep this sidetrack somewhat short because we we're venturing into new geek territory here. But it reminds me of uh, one of the cold openings on uh, Parks and Recreation, mm-hmm. where where the the crew is is all standing around. There's a broken coffee maker, and and Ron Swanson is is like, I just want to know who broke the coffee maker. You know, I'm not mad. <laughs> just say who broke the coffee maker. And they all start like, well, you know, so-and-so was the last person to use it. And they start going at each other. And then they show him off to the side. And he's like, I broke the coffee maker. It, it did this. And so I punched it. Give him another five minutes. And they're going to be like at their throats like Lord of the Flies. <laughs> and then he turns to the camera and he smiles. And he's like, good. It was getting a little too chummy around here. <laughs> Which kind of reminds me of this. It like it kind of takes you back. It reminds you, like, oh, all of these people do have issues and have gone through yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah. And and even and later in the episode, we'll even talk about it. Like the stuff with Kara and Lee mm-hmm. <laughs> comes out. Yeah. It's like, oh wait, yeah, that that almost had a real consequence. Mm-hmm. And I mean, oh man, it just it reminds you of all that stuff and and did it in a very elegant way while also telling this other story. That even though it's kind of a throwaway, it really does add, like you said, so much depth and texture to the uh, mm-hmm. to the to the universe that this show is set in. And yeah. again, just yeah. another one of those moments where I'm like, "Damn it! How come this show couldn't have run forever?" Uh huh. Because I love it that much. Mm. So, anyways, let's uh, let's kind of dive in here, and we, we've got each got some of our favorite moments here, and I'll I'll kind of let you go first because you know. I'm a gentleman sometimes, and uh, we'll, a gentleman we'll who's you... had some whiskey apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not that much, sir. And how much of your ABV, you know, nuclear bomb over there? Have you had? <laughs> it is called Dragon's Milk, although that's a good name for a beer. I'm going to patent it. <laughs> Actually, you know what? That that also be a really great name for an enema. You had me in mid-sip when you did that. Jeez, man. Come on now. I kind of had a feeling that's where it was headed. Oh, oh boy. Sometimes the timing just works out too oh, perfectly. Yeah, normally Anywho. it's me uh, getting you in, in mid-sip, but no, this time you, you, you got me, and thankfully I didn't spit it all over the keyboard there. My first one, uh, so, so top three moments. First moment, uh, kind of going in chronological order of the episode, I really, uh, it, it really stood out to me. It was kind of a stark event when, as they are uh, understanding the gravity of the situation, as Kane is is uh, talking to them over the intercom that that their 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 society, their culture, the the colonies ha- have been wiped out, and the reality of you know that they are now survivors of sorts is setting in. She goes into this into this dialogue or or not dialogue, but but a monologue about seeking vengeance and and talking about running and hiding versus fighting and yeah their imperative is war their imperative is war and yeah. the chance of so say we all starting in the hangar and kind of working their way through to where uh to where kendra shaw flips on the the intercom which is kind of interesting because how would she know that was even going on <laughs> She's, yeah, she's in the CIC, but seems to know to flip the switch and start in, start in with the so say we all, but, uh, um, but, but just having that juxtaposition of of their moment of of trying to come together and unify around a common purpose now that their entire existence and worlds have been completely rocked, and how that mirrored 
to what 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 happened in the miniseries with Galactica, where mm. you had Adama, whether you know good or bad, with with what he did, talking about this this path to Earth and and setting a purpose for them, mm-hmm. and and having the the crew you know go and and start this so say we all chant in in this chant of unity and of unification toward starting a new life for themselves mm-hmm. um you know honestly the the life Cain kind of laid out for them didn't really seem like much of a life i mean it's it's we're, we're going to war and we're the only battleship so man you, you know you do the math on that one if something goes wrong that it you know but yeah but at the same How- time what do they have to go home to you know, I mean, it's the, this is the they don't have a home. They don't have a home. They don't have a home. So I, I really found it to be an interesting mirror to Galactica's version of this, where you go from Galactica with with a with a common goal purpose of, of building a future and seeking, you know, exploration, seeking something out um, versus Kane's speech on vengeance and war and, and having it having them rally around that message um, and, and as an opposite to that. Yeah. And I thought, I think the thing that's interesting about that is, uh, especially like the comparison from, from Adama to Kane, when you look at it in that light and you compare those two scenes, it kind of, I mean, in one way you're like, oh yeah, it makes Adama because Adama look better because he's, it's something to live for and this and that. It's like Adama's lying. And Cain is at right. least telling them the truth. Yeah. So even though Cain is offering them not much of a life, it's the honest answer. It, she is being straightforward. And, the, and throughout, Cain is actually the more straightforward of the two. Yeah. She is has no bones about, yes, I will torture that person. Yes, I shot this person. Yes, I did this. Yes, I did that. And and is very much more straightforward than Adama, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is kind of an interesting way, interesting thing to think about because we're so used to you know this reverence for the character of William Adama. I I don't know, man. I mean, if you had to judge that, like he says, you know, history is going to be you know history is the judge and is written by in their in their logs. Like ah, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. That it's a little rough when you start looking at it. You know, it is. It is. And, you know, it, 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 it just that's one of the things I appreciate about what what they what this show does is it it, it chooses to, to, to go down the rabbit hole of these sort of moral questions mm-hmm. and, and understanding why people choose what they do. I mean, I've, I've said in the past on other episodes, you know, I, I watch The Walking Dead and what what I feel made that show really like must see TV for the first five seasons of it, uh, five or six seasons was was the constant dealing with morality in that kind of environment of how does someone who is a sheriff find ways to justify for, for himself murdering other people, you know, for, for survival purposes or for what is considered the good of his group. Like who, who is the good guy in that scenario? Yeah. You know, and, and, and I brought this up in the past. There, there's this whole storyline they did with this, with one of the biggest villains in, in, in the comic, his name is Negan. And what they cleverly did in the TV show when they started that storyline was they had um, Rick Grimes, who's the main character, who's the main protagonist. He and his group do a preemptive strike against Negan's uh, what one of Negan's outposts. So, it, but when you take a step back, who is the bad guy in that scenario? Yeah, 
you know, Negan didn't strike first. Yes, he was there, and he eventually would have found them and would have, you know, done what he did to other societies because he had built up this massive army, this massive group of survivors who, and, and basically they would leech off of the off of the other communities they would find. They, they would drain them of their resources, essentially, all in the name of protecting them. Mm-hmm. And it was just an interesting juxtaposition to say, okay, you've gone and done this, but but when it came time for the big scene with where Negan first comes out and introduces himself and talks about everything they did, it's like, yeah, who's... I, I mean, yes, we, we get a sense he's the villain because that's the way the show, the tone, the music has kind of built it up as... But when he talks about what they've done, you know, who's the villain? Mm. You know, and, and so here with Kane and with Adama, you, you know, again, you know, she's having to react to situations that are happening in real time on the fly, having this massive invasion happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's easy to vilify that character to say, oh, well, she chose the morally wrong path. But we get a picture as the episode plays out of how she came to that point. You know, she had no one from the government, you know, like I found it really interesting during this episode. There's no talk of who is the, who is the president. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's no sense of government at all in their group whatsoever, or even question about it. Well, and the part, part of that too is I think if you, I think it's the only reason that Adama wound up getting into that is because of Lee. And because there was, there was someone there who could actually Mm -hmm. help the civilians there get away from the Cylons. Yeah. And yeah. I think the assumption would be, especially from Kane's perspective, like when they go, when they send back Raptors to do reconnaissance and you find all the cities are nuked. Yeah. You find like all of the 12 colonies have been nuked. The capital cities are all gone. Yeah. And nothing is just smoldering rubble. There's, there's no ships left. Nothing. What's your assumption going to be? I mean, are you even concerned about, hey, well, gee, who's president now? Um, probably a janitor somewhere, like 180th in line of succession. You're, you're not even thinking in that direction because you yeah. just see the, the devastation. And I can, I can understand that being very compartmentalized because, I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. Adama wasn't caring about who the president was. Yeah. Not until he makes contact with Lee and finds out, like, oh, by the way, I happen to have the president on board. Yes. And even then, he's like, um, and? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I care. Right. I need bullets. I need pilots. Right. Again, it's one of those, without, but without that hook, yeah. without, without Lee, things are much different for Adama. Yes. You know, he could have definitely been Kane. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. What was one of yours? Well, uh, I had, uh, and it was, again, I'm just going to show my true colors here. Starbuck and Kendra in the galley. Um, when, when Starbuck walks in on Kendra injecting whatever that is, uh, assuming it's some, it's some kind of drug, yeah. uh, some kind of narcotic or something, she's injecting it into her neck, and Starbuck shows up and slams the bottle down on, on, the, on like the prep table <laughs> as, as way of introduction. And this uh, is already after the yes. two characters are established to have not to not be getting along. Yeah, yeah. And man, just that interaction mm-hmm. because so many people will 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 either back down from Starbuck or they'll want to fight. <laughs> and Kendra just is like, I'm not going to fight. She plays it right down the middle, like plays Starbucks game completely to the point where Starbuck didn't doesn't necessarily back down. Mm-hmm. but doesn't really d- d- 
doesn't really play all the way to the to the hilt either. Like it's kind of a it's a it's a graceful retreat, if you will. And 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 knowing that like, oh, we're both in the wrong and we could both be in trouble, so we're both not gonna say anything, right? You know? <laughs> I just thought that whole scene really showed a great dynamic between those two and as and showing them really kind of as equals because there's yeah. very few equals for Starbuck. Yeah. And she really kind of demonstrates like, yeah, no, I I know exactly what you're what you're talking about and where you're going with this and no, you're not scaring me whatsoever. Well, and, and there's an element to Shaw's character where and she carries this throughout the episode until we see, you know, really what she's what what she's carrying as this burden. Mm. Um, but the burden feels very similar to Starbucks. Like in some ways they're they're I don't want to say they're kindred spirits, but I feel like Shaw just has this this tone, this kind of air about her that that you feel like she, she just doesn't care. Mm-hmm. But she but like you said, she's willing to play Starbucks game, but not. But but knows how to play it so that she's not on you know she's not falling into what Saul always does where you know he where, where Saul Ty gets into some sort of like you know yelling match with Starbuck or something like that she just she knows how to combat her it's like she understands her yeah and and in some ways that makes sense because you know Starbuck for much of her arc is carrying a lot of baggage as well and and it it fuels who she is and and how she is as a pilot and you see mm-hmm. how that baggage is also fueling Shaw in some ways. And, and just, you know, just how she is wearing over time of, uh, you know, based on this burden she's carrying. Yeah. And I mean, it, the, that conversation where they're getting into the where they're in the where they're getting ready for the, the strike on the the old school uh, base star. And they're talking about, you know, Starbucks mother and Kane and, and how the, how similar they kind of are. You know, I think that I think that was kind of interesting. Like and, and and also the it ties into how Starbuck talked about Kane at her funeral that, you know, we felt, you know, you, you felt safer with her, you know, that sort of thing. And, yeah. and kind yeah. of in rubbing, rubbing, Adam, rubbing the Adamas a little bit the wrong way. Yeah. You know, because she understood, you know, this is not necessarily a nice person and you don't like everything she does. But right at the end of the day, this is also the person who would win you a war. You might not like the way it's done, and history isn't going to be kind to her, but at the same time, she might actually save lives. Yeah. And that's, the that's again, it's, it's, one, it's raising one of those questions that they're not really going to answer. Yeah. They, they let you answer that on your own. They don't give you a satisfying answer, mm-hmm. which is a, another thing about this show that can be, I can see how it's infuriating for some people, but it can also be incredibly addictive <laughs> to yeah. watch because you're just like, but I have more questions, and I, I need answers to some of the questions. Too bad. You're not getting them. <laughs> well, and, 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 and that's what makes for interesting viewing, though. I mean, it makes for interesting stories to, mm-hmm. to not have those answers, to just kind of explore this sort of setting and this environment and, and how the characters r- react to it. And, and yeah, you know, so it's, it's, it's just interesting. Yeah. And so what was, what was another one of yours? Uh, another one of mine was um, was when we finally see Tor. I mean, I guess this isn't fully in, in terms of, uh, you know, sequen- chronological order here. But uh, when when it's finally revealed that it was Shaw who actually initiated shooting the civilians. Um, yes. And and to give some context to the listeners, you know, there there's basically this this flashback that keeps happening for her 
uh, you don't fully understand it at first, and then it starts to finally come, you know, come into some focus when you start to understand what they're doing. But, you know, what's interesting here is, you know, we talked about the, the, the choices Kane and Adama had to make, and Adama had to make some tough choices in terms of leaving ships behind that didn't have, you know, FTL drives, you know, to make the jump with, with the remaining, you know, ships that became the, the ragtag fleet. Well, actually, no, that was, that was Roslyn. That was, that was before they, that was when they were jumping to Ragnar, and the ships that didn't have the, the FTL drives, they had to leave them, because that was when they were doing the survey of all the ships, and, and Lee was helping organize all that, and they were going to head out to Ragnar to, to find the Galactica or whatever, remember? Yeah, that but, was but Adama wasn't against that, right? I mean, I think Adama was advocating well, no, he, for it. He wasn't involved in it. Oh, really? Oh, I thought I he was. I don't think he was. In, no, because the Cylons showed up pretty much out of nowhere and they had to make that decision immediately yeah i mean he was of the opinion like lee just leave them and and get here yeah that was his thing and and lee was the one who was like no i'm i'm listening to the president you know yeah and that was that was and i think that that was when then the first cylon showed up lee did the thing with the the end the whatever field generator and then they're like okay we need to get going and they were going to start moving people and then more cylon showed up yeah Okay, and I don't think Ad- I don't think Commander Adama had anything to do with that. Okay, really, okay. That, that decision was made very much in the moment. Well, I think by Lee and Roslyn. Well, I, I, yeah. So, so where I was trying to go with this is where where we see Kane very deliberately makes a decision to when they run into a fleet of uh, of other ships of civilian ships, mm-hmm. um, making that that deliberate choice to strip them for parts mm. to find. Um, passengers on these ships who may have um you know some some positive bearing to 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 what they're they're trying to accomplish and and conscripting them basically yeah um but leaving the rest behind and leaving them basically for dead Mm -hmm. um it's it's a lot more extreme than 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 what the the fleet we followed had to do i mean they had to make some difficult choices like you just said in terms of leaving behind ships that couldn't you know make the the light speed jump that couldn't yeah couldn't hang well, actually, with, with with the rest of the fleet but at the same time we we never really had them engaging in the discussion of do we and, and again correct me if i'm wrong but i don't think we ever saw dama and and ty ever talk about you know stripping ships for parts and that sort of thing no but they the two things that that i would point out i think one of the what you might have been thinking about was when the galactica was going to leave ragnar in the miniseries and they were going to go out and fight they were going to leave the fleet by the ang- in the in that storm thingy or whatever, yeah, and they were going to go fight. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not sure if that's what you're thinking of, but that that was one of the things where he was willing to leave them unprotected. I mean, they were protected by the storm, yeah, but yeah. at the same time, eventually they're going to run out of food because Galactica is going to show up, go out there, get destroyed, and all those people are going to die. Yeah, yeah. The other thing though is the Olympic carrier when they had when they when they took out the 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 passenger ship. Right, that they had turns out has the nuke on it, and it never really is established if there was actually people still on there. Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, that's another difficult decision that they had to make that cost lives, but yeah. never anything quite as cold and calculated as all right, those people, f them in particular, right. <laughs> and take all their stuff and let's go. Yeah, yeah, never quite like that. No, no, no and at least with the Olympic carrier, it was it was the the uh, suspicion that yeah the the cylons had planted uh, a nuke on that ship you know i mean yeah that's very different right that's very different than jumping into an area of of the galaxy where you find 
you know, former colonials in ships that are just trying to, you know, make their way. And you make this this decision to just, okay, we we need to strip it for parts. And, you know, again, part of that decision came from this idea of going and trying to fight and not realizing the the scale of the army they were fighting. You know, yeah. and, and, you know, quite honestly, it sounded like Pegasus got got their tails kicked. Um, mm-hmm. And so they, they need the parts because they need to rebuild up their their Vipers. They need to rebuild up, you know, uh, elements of the ship. And so you just you start to see that the fruit of Kane's decisions is starting to bear and, and bear in, in, a, in a very bad direction. And so Shaw and uh, what was the XO's name again? I'm, uh, uh, Fisk. Fisk along with other soldiers, you know, board these ships and, and they basically tell passengers they need to come back with them, that, that they want to, you know, utilize for skills and that they're going to take uh, equipment. And, and, mm-hmm. and, of course, you know, they do a really nice job. I mean, it's a, it's a small part of the show, but they do a really nice job of kind of showing the horror of that moment because all these people think here comes our military to save us. And yeah. they just want to basically strip them for parts and leave them. And, mm-hmm. and, and just the, the hopelessness there. And so, you know, seeing that she fires the first shot and understanding, like we said, with that, with, with her discussion with Starbuck, how she's carrying this weight of that event, um, yeah. I think is, is really what, what helps really round her character out, you know, kind of towards the end of the episode where, where you see that she's the way she is because she's, there's this just burden of guilt she's carrying with her. Yeah. And the fact that they show that, that sequence a couple of times before the reveal of understanding. Like they yes. actually show that a couple of times and, and give you a little bit more information each time yeah. until finally you understand like, Oh crap, she's the one who shot. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah that was, that was, and again, a gr- an incredible way of, of grabbing something that had already been revealed in a previous episode and fleshing it out and using it as great storytelling to further this character. Yeah. I think one of my just because I, I I love a good you know space explosion as much as the next guy, the Cylon attack on the shipyard was just everything that I kind of <laughs> wanted to see. <laughs> because again, you don't see that in the miniseries. Yeah, like you don't. You yeah. just hear about it on the over the over the radio, and you don't you don't ever really see any of that happening. Right. And to actually see that and to see what that was like mm-hmm. um, was kind of was kind of a cool sci-fi ish moment, and it also really. You know, going through something like that, like getting attacked to that degree, watching like you're the entire fleet that you I mean, you must feel some amount of pride, like all those officers, all the enlisted people who are on those battle stars must have looked around that shipyard and just been like, man, oh, yeah, just try something. Just yeah. try something. Look at all these ships. Yeah. And then just to see all of that just destroyed mm-hmm. and not even destroyed like in a in a in a set battle, just wiped out before even anyone can even like shoot at them like fire a gun like pearl harbor times a hundred like nobody even has a time to get in a viper and it's just over you know it's like that battle uh with the vipers at the beginning of uh at the beginning of the miniseries just cranked up to max volume and it's and it's cool because it really helps you it helps flesh out kane a little bit along with some other events and stuff but i mean just going through that and being powerless for for someone like Kane must have been just the most galling thing ever until like the next most galling the next galling thing happens which mm-hmm. happens later in the episode but i thought that was kind of a just a cool visual and yeah. you know, and fi- again filling in more backstory 
that you you knew happened but you didn't actually get to see it yeah 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 definitely yeah that that that, that was a very cool visual and it was you know it was something we didn't really see in the miniseries too much you know i think we saw more the shutting down of the ships you know and and, mm. and the vipers and just kind of how how the the raiders just you know massacred them that way yeah. um i think to see it in a shipyard now and that sort of thing was 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 interesting and and to see that it you know you know much like galactica where where i guess in galactica's case it was more of old computers that hadn't uh been upgraded because it was supposed to be um you know essentially a a decommissioned ship um in their case they were right in the smack in the middle of an upgrade and it, it just it worked out that they they couldn't be affected by what the Cylons were doing. So yeah, um, so it was it was kind of neat and it was interesting to see too what Kane was struggling with, you know, when she called for the blind FTL jump and they're just like, uh, do you know what that means? <laughs> you can yeah. end up in the middle of a planet if we're not careful. Yeah, um, anywhere but here is yeah, you know yeah. the answer of where you want to be. Yeah, so 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 you get a you know you do get an appreciation for the scrappiness and and kind of the, the the mentality she had to just keep surviving. Um, mm. but, but as we find out with later events it you know, it, it just really takes a toll on her and she ends up making some very, very poor choices. It's kind of that old, you know, that old trope of like what makes a person the strongest can also be one of their biggest weaknesses. Right. Right. Uh, so what, what's another one of yours? My last one is, uh, my, my, my third to round out the top three, uh, is yes. really nothing of major consequence to the story itself. No, but it's awesome. But it was a very cool moment. And, and if it, you, you know, you talk about fan service in a show, I don't remember exactly what they said to each other, but they're, they basically show in the cockpit of, uh, so, so basically what happens here is Pegasus finds kind of an old school fleet of of Cylons, so the original Cylons, the Centurions, the ones we remember from the the, the classic flying hubcaps. Yeah, the yeah, yep, the flying hubcaps, the late seventies, you know, Battlestar era uh, Cylons um, are 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 the are piloting these ships, and and we get a view into one of the cockpits, and there it is, the three of them. You got the one in mm-hmm. center in the back, and the two in the front. And I two I, silver, two silver, and the one gold. Two silver and one gold, and I don't remember exactly what they say, but I know how the conversation ends. And um, it was the old "by your command." <laughs> well, and you want it? You want to know the really cool part of that? What's that? So they found the person who had the original vocoder, like the the original thing that would change your voice to make it Cylon. No kidding. They, f- they tracked that person down and they found it. So th- that was what they used. That's why it sounds exactly like the old school Battlestar was because wow. they found not just the not just the similar model. Like apparently it was the exact this, this was the one yeah. that they used, yeah. which is, again, it's trivia that I love that no one else will give a squat <laughs> about. It, it just made my day when I when I read that. I'm like. That is awesome, but but I I mean I had seen Razor before, but I had totally forgotten about that that little short part. But yeah, they just go mm-hmm. to the cockpit and you you just you you hear this dialogue between these three Cylons and you just buy your command. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. It I, really I loved was. it. I thought that was that was just excellent. Yeah. Oh, and yours. The, la- the last one for me was, uh, and it's not a, it's not a pick me up. It's <laughs> not no, ending it's not. on a positive my, note. Mine, mine, mine was a little lighter on 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 the humor there, but the, but this one is is pretty dark. I, I decided to swerve the other direction. It's Kane shooting her XO in the CIC, which is was one of those moments that even though even though you had heard the story as it's happening, you're just like, I don't believe this. Yeah, I don't I don't believe that this person 
is going to just shoot their first their executive officer in front of everybody else mm-hmm. in in the command room and it's and it was made so quickly it 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 just seeing it unfold that fast yeah and 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 seeing where Kane is at that point mm-hmm. in in her mind that was real kind of rough to watch yeah but it was it was like okay this is the final straw this is now Kane is now the Kane who we who we are introduced to yeah and and that is like the final bit of her transformation now and i believe that that takes place after they had realized that um or was it before okay oh no that's what i was going to ask you because the the whole crux of the argument between her and her exo was he sees the numbers are way out of proportion for them to make this attack mm-hmm. so they haven't been boarded yet and he simply questioning That's right questioning her in front of everyone basically you know really standing up to her mm. and she just kind of makes this decision and and i also I, i'm glad you said that because i was struggling to remember it as well because i think one of the key things that plays into this is her realization that you know you you get the sense that um so so we we find out that one of the six models is on their ship and is actually doing this this upgrade Oh, and did you catch the line where where Kendra knows the translation of her last name? No, I didn't. It's Old Geminis for Resurrection. Oh, really? I did. I did not remember that from watching it before. I, I totally ho- missed. I that. almost hopped off the couch. I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" <laughs> <laughs> Put her out the airlock now! Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, it was. I I I I saw that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, these guys are just so good. It's yeah. just ridiculous how good these guys are. Oh, it is. It is. Oh. But yeah, I I forgot. I I had had that switched up in my mind. You're right. He she shoots the first officer, and then Kendra under uncovers uh, six. Yeah, Sh- Shaw has a shootout with with uh, a different six, and she she sees that. She looks exactly the same as this woman Gina that she had had worked with, and had, you know, mm-hmm. I think she gave her her access codes for doing some of the work she was doing before this attack happened. And she goes back and and tells Kane, you know, look at the security footage, and there it is, you know. And she mm-hmm. sees that she looks exactly like her, and 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 we're we're hint, it's hinted at that she had a had kind of a romantic thing going with Six. So you have Kane. So oh, it's not hinted at, dude. I mean, they, that's like. Well, I, I mean, com- compared to actually having some sort of scene in the show. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it was well, okay. <laughs> I mean, if you want to take it to that level, I mean, it was yeah, it was a hand on the shoulder. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, and then then and then Gina and Kendra have an entire conversation about it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's that as well. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I understand what you're talking about, especially considering that you know six is never what you what you would consider bashful in these in, uh, no. in this universe. No, not so, at okay, all. fine, not at all. Yeah, so she, um, so so this happens after the fact, so it really doesn't impact her shooting her XO. But it is, you know, what what what's your takeaway on that? Because I don't fully understand what other than just trying to prove her absolute. I don't mean to say dominance, but 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 her her leadership as the the captain of the ship. What triggers her? Well, I think it's just the fact that she, I think she is fully committed. I, I think that really, and I still stand by the idea that that is the final transformation because I don't think she would have gone to the point that she did with with the the Gina Six after that 
had she not really made that decision uh, and that the whole idea of revenge, the whole idea of payback, the whole idea of the imperative being war. Mm -hmm. And when you have your first in command questioning that, I mean, to her, like this is all she has to live for. Yeah. And if you run once, you know, she's already run once. Right. And then you, of course you go back. This also ties into the part that actually, and this is, this is an interesting little tidbit that I didn't even realize or, or you think about. So I have this on DVD because I'm just that much of a dork, and that's how I, I, I watched all these back in the day. Bye. So on, on the DVD, it had uh, the, the broadcast version, and then it had the extended cut. Mm -hmm. And I watched the extended cut when I rewatched this the other day just because I had time on my hands, so I've got the extra five, ten minutes or whatever it is. And you watch this on, um, on the Sci-Fi app, and apparently that's just the broadcast version. I think so we'll just do a podcast. Out on some stuff. I, I think we'll do a podcast just on my journey to get to actually see this episode. <laughs> oh, I'm surprised you didn't crack that beer open a couple of days ago. Honestly. <laughs> oh Good, my sweet god! Lord. Your 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 sci-fi stories almost oh. like top my CBS All Access <sighs> stories. Actually, just ridiculousness. My my struggles with that website probably uh, are, are a small rival to what you have dealt with Adobe over the years, my friend. Oh, I don't even want to get into that right <laughs> now. Otherwise, I'm going to need more whiskey. Uh, but in the extended version, we get an entire backstory of Helena Kane mm -hmm. during the first Cylon War, which kind of mirrors what you see uh, young Adama going through the final day of the, the final hours of the the first Cylon War. And Helena Kane is is trying to escape with her family. And you get the idea, like her mother's dead and her father is like hurrying her and her sister out of a room. And and just, you know, they're they're trying to survive. The father gets injured. And basically then the, it's the two kids on their own. And she is the eldest of the two. She ends up leaving her sister to go and get and, and to hide. Yeah. And I think like that, along with the idea of having to run from the Cylons in the first place, you just get to a point where, you know, she's not going to do it anymore. And this person is standing in her way and she is now that switch has completely flipped. Yeah. She is fully committed and she's willing to do whatever. And I think she just, that decision happens and man, Oh, it really, it, it's just, it, it's hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because you realize that person is just, their humanity is now, down to uh, such a level like the difference between them and a Cylon is minimal yeah you know that's the part that I think is really tough no I agree yeah. I agree so not not exactly a favorite as in a yahoo this is a great part but as in like a well it's, it's, this it's is a key so moment. informative yeah, yeah it's it's a key it's, it's a key moment because and, and you know I was thinking about this when I watched it when when she when she killed the XO I mean it 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 at that point, it sets a tone that basically says she cannot be questioned. And so now, you know, in in, in some ways, she it, like like that's a no win situation for her. Right. I mean, she she can't she can't back down and, and be thought of as someone who is off, you know, her, her nut, so to speak, in terms of uh, how she strategizes and how she's leading the ship, because now her leadership will come into question. But now that she's done this, no one's going to question her. Well, I think it's it's not even so much the you could get around the planning part because it's unexpected. Yeah, I I think it would be it's her going back on on the whole little monologue that she gave 
and that now anytime the because the odds are already against them yeah. now anytime there's any kind of oh my gosh this this is a little too hairy are we gonna are we gonna run away yeah she's essentially is setting the tone like we will not run ever and damn yeah <laughs> what a way to set that tone yeah yeah oh no absolutely in a way, it's it's also kind of shedding that last bit of humanity because that was kind of the one person on the ship who really was trying who was she kind of was on a personal level with it seemed you yeah. know because the exo was kind of talking to her earlier about taking time off and seemed like they were real buddy buddy and they were really close and now that he's gone and she's willing to kill off that part of her humanity now it's just fair game although i i guess in a way you do get a sense that there's a tension there because you know you bring up that 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 point where he's asking her about joining you know he and his family or something like that and you know, she kind of brushes him off. She, you know, she's on the treadmill and stuff. She just seems very closed off mm. from that. Mm-hmm. You know, and and as he walked away, just just her body language, and then and then what her char- you know, her character gets back to running on the treadmill. It's like she really doesn't want to turn it off. You know, and and yeah. and, and, and this is before any of this happens. So there's already something there with her, and and I think, you know, I think it's really fitting. I think. You know, the Kendra Shaw character, you know, several times in the episode says she is the legacy of Cain. And I think the legacy of Cain was was the burden of guilt. Well, yeah, it goes back to what Mark Bernardin said. Everybody in this show has secrets. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody on this show has secrets. And her secret is, you know, her guilt over leaving her sister, because ultimately her sister ends up getting taken by the Cylons. Her sister doesn't die. Yeah. Her sister gets taken by the Cylons. And I mean, good lord, to have to bear that burden of like what happened to her. Yeah. I mean, at least if she was dead, it would be it'd be one thing. But now the Cylons have taken her. I mean, what are they doing to her? Right. Right. And then of course you see everything that happens with on on Adama's side of it. Yeah. Of how of how they're torturing these people and and the and the the experiments they're running and and oh my, I mean, damn. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it's 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 the closest that I think the show gets to kind of being horror like, you know, I mean, it, it's very. Oh, dude, if you saw if you saw the the extended cut. Yeah. Oh, they were they were doing something to those folks like in, in terms of like cutting them up and, and experimenting on them when they're fully conscious and awake. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot about this part. Oh, geez. Yeah. And it does. It, it, it gets real close to that horror. But at the same time, it's for a really good reason. Yeah. Like they're showing you just how horrific this aspect of of things are it's kind of the same as going back to like the the farm yeah you know the episode where they're showing all the you know they're trying to create the cylon human hybrid oh my gosh yeah like just this horrific stuff that's going on yeah it's it's ridiculous dude it's ridiculous so any other special mentions not really i think it was interesting the the whole it's kind of interesting how much extraneous information it seems like and this is the one kind of nit that i have to pick with all of this is it's amazing how much information and background Adama has on what's been going on with the Cylons, mm-hmm. but yet really doesn't seem to be eager to share any of it with anybody. Like yeah. you, if you think about it, like he knows all this stuff about the hybrids going back to the first Cylon war. He had that whole thing with, with bulldog, you know, uh, the secret mission into Cylon territory and all this, like, and you didn't bother. You didn't think any of this was important to share <laughs> at any point. Like, at, w- at what point does Rosalind just grab him by the lapels and be like, and when were you going to tell me this crap? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. seriously. Good Lord. 
I, I, that's the one nit that I have to pick is that that kind of seems to be the weak link in all of the kind of the retrofitted stuff that they try to do in some of these episodes is yeah. it always ends up with Adama knowing all of this stuff and not sharing it with anybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm like, I know, I know Bill Adama plays things close to the vest, but damn, I mean, come on. Well, I, you I know, mean, you know, he, he never turned to Saul Ty and be like, hey, Saul, you know, that crazy crap I saw, you know, <laughs> N- nothing. But 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 when you think about where we were in the series when this came out, mm. there really was no. I mean, they, they had no knowledge of the hybrids. You know what I mean? Like it, it really wasn't until this event, it, pl- except in Adama's head. Yeah, I but, mean, he but, saw he saw the the little the Cylon jacuzzi. Sure, he saw it and sure. he put his hand in, and all of a sudden he's seeing visions in his head. Like, I don't know. I would probably tell someone about that. I'm just saying. Maybe I'm a blabbermouth. No, but but what I'm saying is when you think of it in the context of what happens in seasons one and two, you know, which is, you know, pre-Pegasus, mm-hmm. what reason does he have to really talk about it? I mean, they, they have no context for hybrids. They don't know really anything about the Cylons other than they're they're now human. You know what I mean? Well, they also had Sharon at that point, and I'm I'm pretty sure Sharon had, would probably have said something. I mean, I yeah. get I get what you're saying, but it that is like the one thing it's like, yeah. yeah, I think they 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 dumped a lot of that onto onto Adama because we all loved Adama so much that they're like we yeah. can get away with it. We can get away with Bill Adama knowing a lot of stuff. I you know? I felt what I felt like they they forced what they did with Lee toward the end when he thought he lost touch with the team on the base mm. ship, and all of a sudden it's like all right let's load up a nuke. I'm like. Really? I mean, it just it, it just felt weird for like it just felt so odd. I mean, I, I can kind of track a little bit where he was going with that. But the fact that he and, and, and his dad had to have that conversation about it just mm. seemed weird. It just seemed out of character for Lee. You know, it just seemed very, you know, reactionary and, and different from from his character. And it's almost like it's they were like forcing him in some ways into this very reactionary role which plays to what Kane was you know and 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 being reactionary you know um and having Adama be I mean yes and Adama has experience and wisdom on his side based on what he's been through but it just felt kind of contrived in a way you know yeah I can see that I mean because you I mean at some point and I applaud I, I don't even know who the writers on this were but I applaud just the fact that they were able to to get all of this uh, written by Michael Taylor, for those of you wondering, uh, to, to get all these pieces to fit. And when you're trying to retrofit something like this, I imagine it is very difficult to to tie everything up because at a certain point you're like, oh, it would be great if we could have another character do this because, you know, Lee has kind of been this guy. But you could probably go back to some points in Lee's story arc over the first three seasons and find some element that would justify that. Probably not yeah terribly well but enough you know because it's like well he's in command you got this you got this you got this and we know we have to get here Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well sort of like always having to make adama have foreknowledge of things and and make you go well when why wouldn't he share that or why wouldn't he know about blah 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 blah. right you just kind of like well somebody has to do it you know we have to we have to shuffle this around some way to make it work yeah I, I totally get what you're saying, and and in retrospect, you are. I think you're right. I think it's, it, but I also think it's almost in a way, like you say, to get 
to get to that conversation with Adama, and then also you have to get to that you have to have that that moment of tension of like, all right, we have to do it. Yeah. And it kind of goes to when when Adama was willing to nuke uh, the temple of the the temple of the five, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and 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 almost calling their bluff sort of thing. And maybe that was you 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 go back and you're like, well, Lee saw that, so that's what that was his justification. Yeah. You know, that he, you know, he's going to pull a trick that the old man pulled or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But you you do have to get that then get to that point of where you have to somehow have that team in jeopardy, and then you have to. Okay, now of course uh, someone all the, the detonators for nuclear weapons and any kind of like bomb that's going to save the day. We all know those are incre- incredibly uh, unreliable because they never work. They yeah. never work. Yeah. They never work remotely. So you knew someone was staying behind with it. So then of course um, you get into you know you have to get into that point where hey I was going to blow you up, but now I'm just going to blow up Starbuck. Yeah. Which I'm like, oh, that's lovely. <laughs> I guess you're really still you you're still kind of a little peeved off about about Starbuck and Anders, huh? Yeah, still still a little a little <laughs> upset. It's a little bit upset, a little upset. You you offended yeah. him just a little bit. No 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 no. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. But yeah, I I agree. I agree. That was a little out of character for him. But but I did like the end because I I think. It was an it was an interesting conversation between Lee and his father about you know Lee kind of coloring things very black and white with Kane and and mm. Adama kind of being the more wise and saying uh, and, and and we already kind of talked about this so I don't want to rehash it too much but just bring out the fact that that he very well could have made you know very similar choices and and as we talked about he yeah. he was on the path to doing that I mean he very much wanted to go to war with the Cylons. He wanted, he and Ty were ready to just take the fight to them, regardless of what that meant. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until he talked with Rosalind and, you know, he and Lee had some conversations. I mean, there, you know, Kane really had no one. Yeah, and they're going to have to start making babies. Right. And, and, and I mean, Kane had no one. And, and the one person that she did have that was close to her ended up betraying her and, and being and being I mean, not betraying her directly, but just, you know, by virtue of what she was, Gina was yeah. betraying her, you know, and so she yeah. she could trust no one at that point. And so when you're in that environment. You know, uh, you know, Bill Adama wisely sums it up and says, you know, it, it could have gone either way for us. You know, and, and, mm-hmm. and I used this term before we recorded. I mean, they were really kind of walking the razor's edge on that for a period of time, which kind of goes. I mean, it's not really the point of, of, of the title of this, but but it, it does kind of indicate just that 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 high wire act that, you know, when when you have people in command like this, these are the choices they have to make, you know, and it's it's very yeah. difficult. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's not so black and white. It's not so crystal clear. And. There's repercussions that they have to live with after that, you know, and yeah, and so I think it was just, you know, I, as we've said, I, I've always appreciated this, this, you know, the series and the writer's ability to kind of dive into these very difficult philosophical questions because, it, you know, that, that that's what makes it deep. That's what makes it interesting, you know, because these are things that, you know, hopefully we don't ever really have to deal with, but you know, it, it their thought exercises worth going through to kind of think through. You know, how would you be as a person in this sort of scenario? You know, it's just it's interesting to kind of consider. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's even interesting considering it's easy for us to forget because it's been six months since we talked about this stuff. But <laughs> it, I mean, 
this kind of ends up around a point where you're 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 talking about Cain. Cain was ready to assassinate Adama, and Adama was ready to take out Cain. Yes. Yep. Before Gina got to taking out Cain, and that's the really kind of the only reason why this never ever came up again. Yeah. There's a good chance that had things gone forward, that you know that something would have had to ha- had to have happened. Right. But right. Adama was willing to take out Cain in cold blood. Yep. At one point. Yep. But at the end of the day, still has that perspective. Yeah. Of knowing what it's like to be in that position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is it kind of goes back to those situations like look at pre- look at former presidents, former presidents, regardless of party, tend to somewhat get along. Yeah. And and even somewhat get along really well. Yeah. I mean, if you if you look at, uh you know, I think uh I think Clinton and was it Clinton and, and George Herbert Walker Bush or was it I, I almost want to say it was it was the, the elder Bush were were doing a lot of charity work post Clinton's presidency together. Even though those two, I mean, directly went against each other in a presidential election, right, right, and and uh, and I believe, I mean, certainly Michelle Obama and and the and the the Bushes were were very friendly uh, post kind of uh, that whole period, and I mean, but it's it goes to show like that's a very select group of people who understand the pressure of a position, and there's only but so many of them alive at any given point who understand what they went through. Yeah. Yeah. And and being admiral, being commander of a battle star, I mean, as many battle stars as there were for the colonies, that's not that many when you consider how many billions of people were on the colonies. Right. There's right. only but so many people who understand the pressure of that. And then you take the ones who've actually seen combat and you take someone like Kane and, and Adama who have the only two who have lived through this apocalypse as battle as commanders of battle stars. That's a very elite group. Yeah. And to both and for Adama to be able to even as much as he disliked Kane and went through stuff with Kane, to be able to have that perspective, I think shows that that perspective that you 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 at least recognize I've been through what that person's been through. Mm-hmm. And it ain't easy, you know? Yeah. I, I think that's really interesting. And it, it does leave you on it doesn't leave you with a nice pat answer. It does make you think about it afterwards. Again, right. one of the great things about this show. Right. Right. And why I wish it had run for, you know, 18, 20 seasons. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Go find the next Earth. I don't care. You know. And one last special mention is, uh, you know, I, I was mentioning to you how the hybrid at the end that Shaw runs into, how it, it very nicely kind of transitions into what will end up being a lot of the themes in season four around all this has happened before and will happen again. Mm. You know, the cycle there and then um, primarily at least the version I saw. I know you you had the the Professor Frank uh, deep geek version of Razor. Um, I I only saw the part where he talks about Kara Thrace being the harbinger of death and uh, and and just, you know, how um, that they should not follow her, which is kind of odd because had they not done that, it would have led to very different, you know, kind of events happening in, in season four. But. Mm. But but it but, you know, given where this 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 episode or this hour and a half long, you know, kind of movie played, it, it really does set the table for what ends up being, you know, a lot of the themes in four. So, oh, 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 hang on a second. Oh, 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 man. Oh, I just thought of something. Uh Oh, oh. And before you go, let me just mention the hybrid. Very, very similar looking to the man who played Tywin Lannister in Game of Thrones. 
I didn't believe that until you made me look it up. Yeah, yeah, it's is, it's it's uncanny, my friend. It's uncanny. You, you dishevel that guy, put him in the in the Cylon jacuzzi. Yeah, totally. Put him I in the tub. It. Looks just ex- exactly the same. Some fluorescent LED and LED lighting combo. Yeah, that it totally is him. So what were you ooing and eyeing about a second ago? Dude, we could you could totally spin that scene into the new Battlestar Galactica reboot, whatever they're doing, sequel for what, what was it, the Peacock or something, Peacock, whatever. Yes. If you could, if you bring back Starbucks character, if you bring back that character somehow mm-hmm. as the harbinger of death, and somehow tie that into new silent. Oh, I, I again, I hate this idea even more than I'm saying it out loud now. You know what? I might just edit all this out because I'm I'm hating myself. <laughs> <laughs> Telling you, man. And another thing. So, sir, what's uh, what's your and another thing for this episode? Uh, mine is simple. Uh, it, it 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 is a little uh, something something that that lockdown has kind of uh, you know exposed or or just allowed me to have the time to kind of root out and and find uh, through. Discussions. I get nervous when you start talking about being exposed. Well, <laughs> are you going to need bail money? Uh, no, no. Okay. Uh, my 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 youngest. Uh, well, b- both my kids have have a have a deep love of, of Legos. You know, they uh, but they're they're teenagers now, and my youngest is kind of pursuing a bit more of uh, Legos as models sort of thing. So so mm-hmm. you know, much as hobbyists uh you know like to build their models of different planes and that sort of thing he's he's very much about star wars and star wars ships and that sort of thing which is really cool because that's you know something i i grew up with and it's something i i relate to quite a bit if you couldn't tell from the content on this show no not at all not at all but i but but uh recently we um you know he uh he he saved up and and we we got the uh the new a-wing uh, let me pull up here. I have it. Uh, the new A-Wing collector, Lego collector series, A-Wing Starfighter. Uh, but this collector series is something they've been doing for a while. And, and, you know, it's it's one of those things where I, you know, given the busyness of life pre, pre-illness, pre uh, you know, uh, pandemic here, um, I just never really had time to really even think about, know about, read about. And since I have the time now, um, it, it's just really interesting, you know, and, mm. and uh, the the one that's most interesting to me is the Millennium Falcon version of this, which came out, I think, a year or two ago. Oh, um, the thing that really gets my geek radar going is the fact that, I mean, it is it, it, so it is a seventy five hundred piece Lego set oh, gosh. takes somewhere between 10 to 12 hours to build. That, I, that's I'm sorry that's inaccurate that can that's way I, more than I, that we can post I will send you the page for the show notes my friend I no I don't I'm I'm not saying that isn't accurate like what accurate like what they say I'm just saying I don't know if that's humanly possible well yeah I mean it's it's not something you would do in one night no <laughs> <laughs> I don't know get you another one of these bourbon stouts and you might try well you know time does take on a different meaning when you have a couple so <laughs> but um but no it's just an interesting um you know just neat that 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 lego did this with star wars and you know having uh the thing that i really found interesting about the falcon and and i guess they did this with slave one which is uh boba fett ship which is no longer i think uh on the market but um it's just the detail you know it's just it's it's very uh because the scale of these ships are are is much bigger 
the detail is much much greater now and and you know being you know being into the in the series as a whole and uh and just uh you know just enjoying that universe and stuff i i just love you know little nuggets like that you know seeing like i was looking at pictures of of the of, uh, looking at pictures of this of this millennium falcon and just seeing how much more spacious it is and how true to the you know movie it was and stuff it's just really neat so many activities you know just to have hmm. that kind of a model and that sort of thing but but the price tag on that one's a little steep. I think it was like somewhere around eight bills uh, for that oh. one. <laughs> ain't cheap, oh. my friend. It ain't cheap. <laughs> I need money. The the A wing no, was a little more reasonable, so so that's what we're that's what we're running with. But um, yeah, that's a good idea to start there. Yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, but yeah, it, it was. It's just a neat little kind of hobby and uh so i'm 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 excited to build it with them and 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 i just thought it was just kind of a new uh, just kind of a cool little uh you know distraction uh for folks as they continue to contend with lockdown to you know if you're if you're a lover of star wars and 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 legos it's just kind of a neat hobbyist sort of thing so lego ultimate collector series check it well, mine this week, uh, I'm actually going to go with another musical selection. And uh, since I had such great luck getting uh, the la- getting Wolfpack in last episode, finally, uh, I, I spent Friday night kind of decompressing and decided to watch one of my favorite kind of documentaries slash concert films. And this is, a, this is called My First Name is Maceo. And it is all about saxophone player... Maceo Parker, nice. who might not necessarily ring a lot of bells for for general music fans. However, if there is a Mount Rushmore of funk, Maceo is definitely up for inclusion on it because he played. Uh, he started really making uh, his career when he began playing with James Brown. Nice. He eventually became uh, James Brown's band leader because James Brown would. W- James Brown didn't run the band necessarily. Uh, he, he intimidated and scared the hell out of the band. <laughs> he, he hired other folks to actually run the band, rehearse the band, all that. So he had, Maceo eventually was the band leader, and he was actually band leader twice. I think he, he was the band leader in the 70s, then left, and then he came back, I think, in the 80s for, for a couple of years. He also was, uh, he left James Brown's band to go play with George Clinton with Parliament and Funkadelic. Jeez, um. He then went out on his own and, and did a whole bunch of stuff on his own. And he later uh, collaborated with Prince. So if you imagine holy some of holy. the, you know, the godfather of soul, the father of funk music, really, James Brown. Because Cold Sweat is kind of one of the first, if not the first, funk songs. Yeah. Then George Clinton, who is funk, really. I mean, that's really where it came from and, and, and one of the most sampled uh, musicians ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Prince, who is undoubtedly one of the, the greatest musicians and also one of the funkiest dudes you'd ever meet anywhere. And, and Maceo was there for all of it. Wow. And so this, this, uh, this is a really interesting movie in that it, it takes place uh, in the 90s. And this was a, an incredibly unique time because this was uh, an amazing band. I wish I had had a chance to see this band. It was Maceo Parker on alto saxophone, Pee Wee Ellis on tenor saxophone, 
and Fred Wesley on trombone. Now, Pee Wee Ellis and Fred Wesley also played with James Brown and were also at one point band leaders for James Brown. So all three of them had led James Brown's band at some time. Fred Wesley had gone with Maceo Parker to play with Parliament. And Fred Wesley is also one of those guys who is just incredibly influential in terms of of the funk genre yeah Uh, but it's also incredible jazz player as well the backing band for his for this concert is flipping amazing i mean it's just unfriggin real so the it's it's really a it's it's selections taken from uh two concerts that were in hamburg germany back in uh i think it was it was the early 90s i can't remember the date exactly and interspersed with that is interviews with Maceo, kind of going over his upbringing and all that, and Fred and Pee Wee. And then they also had George Clinton there and some other people that they had worked with. And, oh, my gosh. It, it, but it is amazing to just listen to to Maceo play because he is such a unique player and is just so stinking funky. And, the w- and he describes his music as basically 2% jazz, 98% funky stuff. And uh, nice. it's just it's it, oh man he is just it's an amazing watch it's uh, you can find it on YouTube but you can also I, I highly suggest uh, getting the soundtrack because it has all all the tunes on it including uh, one of like Fred Wesley's big hit which was called House Party um, which is amazing in and of itself but all of it all of it is just fantastic very cool and and just a sh- just a, a movie where you can see people who just genuinely love doing what they do yeah. and making music which is always just a big thrill to me is to see musicians who are just love doing what they're doing with the people they're they're working with nice so definitely check that out and then go out and buy every single maceo parker album that you can find he actually has a new album coming out next month and and maceo is not a spring chicken but man that that dude still cooks yeah oh Oh, very cool. I'm 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 hoping I'm hoping that I get a chance to see him live because I've never gotten a chance to see him live. I'm I'm really hoping I get a chance to do that. All right, folks. Well, that's about it for this episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. And thank you for tuning in for downloading for, well, we're probably wasting an hour and a half of your time <laughs> uh, with us. Hey, if you've hey, we, uh, we kept it under uh, an hour 30, my friend. It was BSG. <laughs> Well, and, and you know what? We were only talking about an hour and a half worth of worth of episode, which is I mean, we're essentially one to one on this one, really. Hey, so our ratio is actually worse. Hey, and and you know what? We we both made it standing, cognizant, uh, able to still articulate. So, salute, my friend. Well, sir, you don't see where I'm at right now. I'm actually on the ground <laughs> laying down. I'm I'm cradling the microphone like a teddy bear. Uh, good lord. I'm. I'm actually I'm doing pretty well right now. I'm, nice. I'm I need to stay awake because I'm I'm immediately going to roll the final episode of Westworld uh, after we finish this up. Yeah, it's early enough, my friend. We could pull it off. I don't know. I might fall asleep. I'm 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 just that old. But anyway, thank you all for tuning in. If you made it this far, damn it, have yourself a drink on us mm-hmm. because you deserve it. Uh, please be sure to subscribe, share with friends, share with enemies, share with family. Uh, we're not picky. We have little to no standards when it comes to podcasting. So please send all of your questions, suggestions of stuff you'd like to like for us to talk about to Tim at freerangeidiocy.com. Mm-hmm. Follow us on the social medias. And now we come to the final part of our show. This is where I, I, I take the baton and I hand it to the man who is the less idiotic of the two idiots who run this show. And I say... Please, sir, 
take us home. Well, my friend, uh, week eight of lockdown. Um, but but you know th- this week is a little unique. We have some little look a little forward to uh, next Sunday. Mother's Day, so so folks, uh, mm-hmm. can consider it a service on our part to remind you you got six days to get it locked down. Oh, not by the time this gets published. By that time, they only they'll you be got on a two short days run. to get it locked down. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> or you got two days to make that garage real comfy. <laughs> uh, but you know, hey, we're wife's we're, wife's gonna be wondering, hey, why are you bringing the couch out there? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Just rearranging, honey. Just rearranging. <laughs> Just preparation. <laughs> oh my goodness! But you know, hey, uh, something to look forward to. Uh, show, showing mom a little love, whether it's uh, at, at home, direct, or uh, or over the Zoom call. But keep, keep her keep her in mind. Keep keep thinking about it. Uh, keep it in mind, and and you know, celebrate uh, the impact that they have had on our lives. So, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, and and hey. You know, you listen to this. We kept it under an hour thirty on BSG. We're 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 making slow inroads uh, to improving. Oh, don't get carried away. You, so you just—I <laughs> said they were just, slow. Now you're just leading people on. You're just <laughs> leading them on, and I swore we would never do that. Oh man, but uh, yeah, be safe, uh, be healthy, and please do not forget to hit the lights on the way out. I took the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon. What did you say? You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out. I don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. So say we all. So say we all. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Stay well, stay weird. Oh, should I hit stop on my, uh, I should probably hit stop on my.